you eat a carnivore diet for years and years and years, evidence has shown that you can kill certain types of probiotics. That doesn't just have an impact on you. You pass on your microbiome to your children. So if you eat a narrow diet and kill off a diversity of bacteria in your gut, your son or daughter may also experience that as well. And that will translate to their children and their children's children and so on and so forth. So this can have a generational impact. So I understand the reason why you want to feel better and eat a narrow diet. Make sure that's short term so you're not impacting not just your health long term, but your generational health long term. Hello and welcome to the Autoimmune Remission Podcast. My goal is to help you cut through the confusion, create clarity, and gain momentum on your path to autoimmune remission. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Autoimmune Remission Podcast. Thank you for taking time to spend it with me. If you're enjoying this content, my request is that you rate it and review it and share it with somebody that needs to hear this content. That's the only way this podcast grows. And again, I would tremendously appreciate it. Today, we're going to talk about the microbiome, what it is, how it impacts you, and how you can impact it. I'll also address some common questions. What should you eat to help your microbiome? What should you drink to help your microbiome? And should you take a probiotic or any other supplements to help optimize your microbiome? Let's start by addressing what the microbiome is. We have a cloud of bacteria surrounding us. It's on our skin, our mouth. Today, we're really going to focus on the large intestine. That's where the majority of our microbiome is housed. Within our gut, we have trillions of microbes. This is a combination of bacteria, fungi, viruses, and many more microorganisms. There are, we have more microorganisms in our gut than we have cells in our body. We have more organisms in our gut than there are stars in the sky. So we are more microbiome than we are human, if you can believe it. And you may be wondering how it impacts you. Well, the research on the microbiome is still in its infancy. So much, the majority of the research has been done in the last 10 to 15 years. And you may have just heard about the gut microbiome in the past five years. So we're really at the tip of the iceberg right now with our understanding of our microbiome. Now, with that being said, you may follow some influencers on social media who would have you believe that the microbiome is the missing link between chronic disease and optimal wellness. And, and this may well be the case, but right now, we really don't have that much information to be able to discern how important it is. We know that it's important, but we don't know exactly what to do with this information we have. So we have some correlational studies and information available. But right now, we don't have a full understanding of exactly how it impacts our health. The research just simply isn't there. We have a lot of interesting research, but nothing that makes you understand exactly what you need to eat or drink or consume in order to help optimize your microbiome. We just aren't quite there yet. Although many influencers would have you believe that we are there and they will make recommendations to help you optimize it. I put that in quotations, optimize your microbiome and therefore your health. They would make you believe that the microbiome is the cause of autoimmune illnesses, of common colds, depression, and many more illnesses, and maybe every illness. And again, it may play a primary role or a secondary role in some of these diseases, 
and it may not have much to do with others. When it comes to obesity, there does appear to be a small link, we don't know if it's causational or correlational, between obese and fit individuals. Now, most of this research has been done in mice, in which they take a microbiome or the feces of an obese mouse and give it to a lean mouse, then that lean mouse becomes obese. The opposite is also true. You give the microbiome of a fit mouse and give it to an obese mouse through a fecal transfer, and the obese mouse becomes lean. Now, to my knowledge, there's one case study in humans where this was done. The only time where the FDA is going to recommend a fecal transplant would be in the case of C. difficile, and if somebody has failed the first course of antibiotics where C. diff is recurrent in that individual, then a fecal transplant would be required. And in my knowledge, there's one case study where one individual got the poop of an individual who was obese and started gaining weight themselves. Now, that doesn't mean that it's causational because we have no idea what this person was eating before, during, or after this fecal transplant. So we really don't have a ton of information there. And that's not to say that your microbiome is more important than energy balance, right? So eating calories, burning calories, that's still more important than your microbiome when it comes to weight gain or weight loss. But it may have an impact on how your body utilizes the calories that you consume. We do know that the microbiome plays a major role in some autoimmune diseases, maybe all autoimmune diseases, but certainly IBD, things like Crohn's and colitis. The evidence isn't quite there on diseases like type 1 diabetes or MS, but again, it may play a role. Here's one thing we know for sure about the microbiome. The more narrow your microbiome is, so the less diverse it is, the worse your health outcomes usually are. And what does that mean by diverse? I don't mean the entire total amount of your microbiome. That's really difficult, if not impossible, to measure how many total bacteria you have in your gut. But the diversity of that bacteria, how many unique strains of that bacteria exist in your gut, determine the diversity and therefore determine your health. So that brings us to our next point, is how can you impact your microbiome? Well, it's important to know that everything you consume impacts your microbiome to some degree. So everything you eat, drink, supplements you take, medications you take, they all impact the microbiome to some degree. Some have positive, some have negative, some have neutral impacts, and some we don't quite understand or know the impacts that they have on us just yet. There are some things we know have a negative impact for sure. Antibiotics wipe out many bacteria, if not all bacteria in the gut. Alcohol has a negative impact on your gut microbes. Think about a cut on your arm. You could pour a shot of whiskey on that cut and do a pretty good job of killing bacteria and therefore cleaning that cut. Well, the same thing is going to happen when you consume alcohol. It would wipe out certain strains, if not all strains of bacteria that it interacts with. It would kill bacteria. High levels of saturated fat appear to have a negative impact on the gut microbiome. So the general recommendation there would be to keep your saturated fat intake at 10% or fewer of your total calories. Now, many people would also tell you that artificial sweeteners have a negative impact on the microbiome, and that evidence isn't quite there yet in humans. You can see some of that evidence in mouse models and in in vitro studies, which mean a test tube. And generally, these studies are exposing animals or petri dishes to huge amounts of artificial sweeteners, amounts that you could never consume, ever, in a single day, a single sitting, or maybe even in your lifetime. 
So you probably don't need to worry about artificial sweeteners. I can tell you, me personally, I would opt for an artificially sweetened beverage or tasty treat in favor of a sugar-sweetened beverage or tasty treat simply because they have fewer calories. Now let's move to what we know has a positive impact on your microbiome, and that is undoubtedly fiber. Fiber has a tremendous impact on your microbiome. Fiber acts as a prebiotic. You've undoubtedly heard of probiotics, which are the beneficial bacteria that live within our gut, and also you can get them in a capsule as well. But your body, your gut, is housed of all kinds of probiotics. This is the bacteria. Prebiotics are the food for your probiotics. So your bacteria consume fiber. When your bacteria consumes fiber or eats the prebiotics, it creates something we call postbiotics or short-chain fatty acids. Short-chain fatty acids are butyrate, propionate, and acetate. They have many benefits. They are anti-inflammatory, they are immunoregulatory, they are anti-obesity, anti-diabetes, anti-cancer, cardiovascular protective, and neuroprotective. So consuming fiber is critical to create short-chain short fatty acids, which in turn benefit your body in a number of ways. So we want more short-chain fatty acids, not less. And the only way to get more short-chain fatty acids is to eat more fiber. But remember, we want diversity of bacteria in our guts. And the only way to do that is eat a wide variety of plant-based fibers. Each strain of probiotic eats a different type of fiber. So if you ate broccoli all day, you're feeding one specific type of probiotic. But if you eat 15, 20, or 30 or more different types of plants in a week, you're going to feed 10, 15, 20, etc., different kinds of probiotics in your gut, allowing them to flourish and thrive. So a main takeaway from this podcast is that you need to be consuming a wide variety of plants each week. Fermented foods, things like sauerkraut, kimchi, tempeh, miso, pickles, some pickles, and kombucha have probiotics naturally fermented within them. Now, I don't want you to be confused and think that fermented foods are an excellent probiotic because they're not. However, by naturally fermenting the foods or the drink, they create short-chain fatty acids, which you consume. So you're consuming short-chain fatty acids, which can give you some of the benefits that we discussed above. And there's a number of studies out there eliciting the benefits of fermented foods. Somewhere between two to six servings per day of fermented foods are going to have a positive impact. So in addition to consuming wide varieties of fiber, include some of those fermented foods I just referenced. Now, when it comes to meat, the vegan community obviously is going to be against it, and they say it has a negative outcome in your health. I will tell you that Suzanne Devcota is a microbiome specialist. She's one of the foremost experts in the world, and she recommends eating diversity of everything. That includes plants and meats. So don't just eat chicken, don't just eat steak, but eat everything. And that's where the carnivore community, I think, gets it right, is eating snout to tail consuming anything and everything that has to do with the animal, including organ meats. So eat variety of meats, eat variety of plants, eat in abundance, and don't limit restrictions unless you have celiac disease or some other sort of intolerances where you know you can't tolerate a specific type of food like gluten or dairy or beans, something along those lines. That may require an elimination diet, which I've discussed elsewhere, and I'll link in the show notes so you can reference on how to do an elimination diet properly so you don't limit your microbes. 
And that brings us to the role of diet. We've discussed how you should be eating in abundance. But if you are eating a restrictive diet, like carnivore or autoimmune paleo, there can be some benefits in the short term in the context of an elimination diet. When you're trying to get rid of some autoimmune symptoms, or maybe you're in a flare, or maybe you're trying to discern whether or not you have some food sensitivities or an aversion to FODMAPs, decreasing your diversity of fiber or total fiber intake can help improve those symptoms in the short term. The problem is when people eat a carnivore diet or an autoimmune paleo diet for more than six or eight weeks, now that you understand how it plays a role in the diversity of your probiotics in your gut, it's going to eventually kill off those strains of bacteria in your gut if you're not consuming fiber in diversity for a long period of time. So if you eat a carnivore diet for years and years and years, evidence has shown that you can kill certain types of probiotics. And that doesn't just have an impact on you. You pass on your microbiome to your children. So if you eat a narrow diet and kill off a diversity of bacteria in your gut, your son or daughter may also experience that as well. And that will translate to their children and their children's children and so on and so forth. So this can have a generational impact. So I understand the reason why you want to feel better and eat a narrow diet. Make sure that's short term so you're not impacting not just your health long term, but your generational health long term. That brings us to the final point. What products should you use? Well, let's first remember this, what I spoke about earlier. We know so little. Many of the supplements or products that you're hearing about on Instagram and other social media, we know nothing about, or we know very little about, and its impact on your health. So remember, when there's a lack of evidence, influencers will try and step in to that gap and fill it, and they will sound very compelling, but they cannot back up their claims with evidence because it does not exist. So let's first talk about companies that are analyzing your microbiome. You would send a stool sample to these companies. They analyze it and give you information back. Should you do it or should you not? I, I don't think there's a problem necessarily doing it. I think you can get some pretty decent information out of the stool assessments when they will tell you the composition of your microbiome. Now, it isn't a full composition of your microbiome. It's just what you're pooping out. And there is some further up in your intestines that we just can't test right now. That said, it can give you some pretty interesting information. But there's no standardization between these companies. So you send the same stool sample to five different companies, they'll give you five different results and maybe five different recommendations. So if you're going to do it, I recommend you do it before and after assessment. So if you're starting a new diet and you want to see its impact on your microbiome, go ahead and do it. If you're trying a new workout routine or if you're going through a stressful time in your life and you want to see before and after the assessments of your microbiome, knock yourself out. I think that would be some pretty cool information. But I would not take the assessments to understand what you should or should not be consuming in terms of diet or, or supplements. And that is what it appears to be in many of these companies is they find that they can give targeted recommendations or targeted nutritional advice, and that leads to further sales of their supplements down the line. So if you're going to do it, fine, but I wouldn't necessarily pay attention to the nutritional recommendations right now because there just isn't enough information. Get the assessments done and eat a wide variety. Okay, how about probiotics? Probiotics sound fantastic. But again, the evidence is not there to prove that they're effective. Now, if you've taken some probiotics and you love them and you feel fantastic, knock yourself out. I think that's just fine. However, for the vast majority of the population, it's probably not going to have a big impact, and they can be oftentimes very expensive. 
Now, I want you to consider that you have trillions of bacteria in your gut. And you may take a capsule with 50 billion or 100 billion strains of bacteria in it, or CFUs. That sounds like a large amount. But when you really do the math, that's like a drop in the ocean. It's like dropping red food dye in the ocean and expecting it to change the composition of the ocean. It's going to dissipate in a matter of seconds, and nobody will know it existed. That's probably what you're doing when you consume a probiotic. Furthermore, when you stop taking the probiotic, it exits your system almost immediately. So you would have to continue to take the probiotics for the rest of your life, every single day, for it to play an impact if it's having an impact. So generally speaking, I don't recommend probiotics. There may be a case if you have irritable bowel disease and you took a round of antibiotics where probiotics may make sense. Outside of that, I think few and far between there are going to be reasons to consume a probiotic. Now, how about prebiotics? These are very hot in the market right now. There's powders, there's sodas that are prebiotic sodas. And actually, I do think prebiotics are where you should spend money if you're going to, because they're often very inexpensive. There are many different types. There, I mean, you can get Benefiber, Metamucil, there's Acacia powder, there is Inulin powder, so on and so forth. There's many different kinds, psyllium husk. And I take a teaspoon or so of a prebiotic powder, Inulin or Acacia, every single day. I put it in my coffee or morning tea or morning smoothie so I can ensure that I'm feeding my gut bacteria with what they need to thrive. So I'll start each day there, I'll eat a wide variety of plant-based nutrients, and then I will consume some fermented foods as well, in addition to quality sources of protein. That would also be the recommendation that Suzanne Devcota would provide as well as, if you're going to spend money somewhere, spend it on a prebiotic, not on a probiotic. And when it comes to the prebiotic sodas, eat your fiber. <laughs> you don't need to drink your fiber. They're often five bucks a can or something along those lines. You're going to save a ton of money grabbing a, a a scoop of Benefiber that is a teaspoon that will cost you five cents to create, okay? So spend your money there. And if you're going to drink a soda for the benefits of gut health, drink a kombucha. That is going to be a much better use of your money. All right, so we've covered a lot today. Remember, the microbiome is gigantic. You are more microbial than you are human, if you can believe it. It's absolutely incredible. Now, it may play a gigantic role in your health, especially if you have autoimmune disease and IBD, but we don't know the exact role that it plays in your health just yet. Maybe we will in 5, 10, 15 years. The research and the knowledge is only going to grow, and in a short time, this podcast may be obsolete. But until then, pay attention to the lessons in this podcast. Eat a wide variety of plant-based fibers, things like greens, fruit, any vegetable, nuts, seeds, legumes, Eat it in abundance and in variety. Can try to consume between 30 and 40, if not more, different and unique plants each week. Also, consume a wide variety of meats if you're eating meat. Eat fermented foods or drink fermented beverages for the short-chain fatty acid benefits. That's a huge takeaway from today. Try and get two to six servings of probiotic-rich foods per day. Not for the probiotics, but for the short-chain fatty acids. And the next time you hear somebody on social media telling you that you need to eat this type of food for your microbiome, remember what I told you here. They're filling the gaps, and you don't need to waste your money on that nonsense. Okay, that's it for today. I hope you found great value, and stay motivated.